I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Mariella Meets. I'm Mariella Frostrup, and each week I'll be bringing you a selection of the best interviews from our favorite guests. Movers and shakers from the worlds of art and entertainment, politics, business, music, and wider society. To discuss everything from their latest endeavors to career highlights and early beginnings. Intimate, in-depth talk with pioneering talents and fascinating folk. Discussing the stuff that matters to them and how they scaled the slippery slopes of success. Troy Deeney is Birmingham City Football Club's captain, yet his focus over the past few years has expanded from football pitch to the classroom. His experiences of the school system are rocky, to say the least. He was excluded from school aged just 15 and left with no GCSEs because he looked like trouble. One teacher even told him there was more of a chance he'd be dead by 25 than be a footballer. He proved them wrong. Now Troy is trying to reform the school system, campaigning for black, Asian and minority ethnic history to be made compulsory in all schools across the country. Although it's now mandated in Wales from September, it remains optional throughout the rest of the UK and it's estimated that fewer than 10% of UK schools teach black history. He explores the issue in a new channel for documentary Where's My History sharing his own experiences as well as interviewing prominent figures teachers and pupils in schools around the country and those with opposing viewpoints. Here's Troy in conversation with boxer Anthony Joshua You know we were from different parts but we're both from England so how was your education? I still need educating Mm -hmm. from one of you I wasn't too savvy If you was to have seen more black role models do you think that would have engaged you more if you had a different trajectory at school? Would I have been better off seeing other black faces? 100%. I felt segregated because every time I learn about African culture, it's like, you learn about the negatives. Mm-hmm. So you kind of feel demonised. Like yeah. It would have been important for me to have seen more of the inventors, creators, yeah, yeah. scientists. And Troy Deeney joins me now. Troy, thank you very much for coming on the programme. Um, I mean, it's probably a very obvious question and the answer is probably quite obvious too, but what what motivated you to become a a campaigner for the school curriculum in in particular history? Was there a a catalyst, a a moment that you just thought enough's enough or is it something that was brewing for a long time? I'd probably say brewing a long time. Um, First of all, thank you as well, by the way, for allowing me on your wonderful platform. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Um, 
but yeah, it, it's just something that's been brewing a long time. I'm, um, I, I've always been that kind of guy that thinks about things a long time and, and stews and tries to weigh it up. But I just felt that with my children being at home, especially through lockdown, we was in a situation of homeschooling and it really hit home that these kids are learning the same as what I was learning. And I'm, I'm 33 and there'll be parents who are a lot older than me saying, oh yeah, but that's not too long ago. However, my son is 12 and he's doing coding and things of that nature. So I saw that in certain aspects, the uh, curriculum had moved forward, but then in other aspects, I just seen it was so far behind. And so, um, you know, so much in need of being updated, a bit of a facelift, really. And um, I just wanted to give my kids the best opportunity to understand who they are and go away from struggles that I'm now having to deal with at a later age and, you know, through therapy and things of that nature. You understand, really, a, a lack of identity of who you are will struggle and, and help you get through in life in terms of who you want to be. Because you don't know who you are, you're always fighting yourself with these these thoughts and these feelings. Interesting. In the program, you talk to your mum. You say you're 33, um, so obviously not that old. But but your mum agrees with you in the documentary that you know the history that's been taught is exactly the same as it was when she was at school, as well. What impact do you think it has on kids not seeing themselves and their experience or their identity reflected in in, in what they're learning? I think the the easiest way to put it um, is. When I, when I was at school, and I like to talk on my own experience, and I know this has happened with four or five other prominent people that they'll see in the, the documentary tonight, is um, that when we learn about slavery and to put like the roots uh, DVD, I was going to say that the VCR back in the day, there, yeah. you, that one, um, you felt like everyone in the classroom turned and looked at you and kind of went, well, this is your subject, isn't it? You know all about this. Do you get what I mean? And it, it kind of, that that emotion, that like, oh well, I'm less than because every time it was uh, depicted in a school about um, being being black or Asian or mixed, it was like, well, you could be good at um, music because there's a few musicians that are good, so we'll show you a bit of Bob Marley. If you want to be a footballer, we can show you like Ian Wright. He was good, wasn't he? And then you want to be a, a sprinter. Who well, are here's Linford Christie. And then that was it. But I have I have four kids. I'm, I'm very privileged to have two boys, two girls. And I'm really thinking in the space, and you could probably attest to this better than me, is there's not much even about women and how like women in science and things of that nature. So it's like all of this really is to get the, the government to look at the bigger picture and understand that why are we not moving this forward? Because the world's moved forward and we need to. Sorry. Yeah, no, because it, what's, I'm so glad you brought up women because it, it strikes me that it's not just that it needs to be expanded to include this minority interest area, mm-hmm. but that actually that history needs to be included as a part of the general history syllabus. It, it should, rather than kind of making it something separate, um, you know, today I was moaning on about, you know, why the government appointing a, a, a you know, female women's health czar when actually, you know, there's already a health secretary. Why, why, why are we different? Why are we marginalised like that as though we're not half the population? And I think when it comes comes to history, it, it, it's the same thing. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's proper history that needs to be taught, that delves into colonialism, you know, civil mm-hmm. rights, all the topics that, that, that seem to be omitted to make room for the Tudors, you know, and, and then mm-hmm. you wonder why kids grow up feeling alienated because they're not wearing brocade. 
<laughs> no, a hundred percent, and uh, it, it's actually really refreshing to hear you say that. So thank you. But I just feel like um, when when we when we talk about this, the, the the easy response is, well, it's the teacher's fault, or it's already there. Why aren't the teachers doing it? And that's why we was really conscious in making this film to get the teacher's perspective. So obviously, with the survey that we did, for teachers to say it, like ninety four percent to say they don't feel empowered to even have the conversation. Like, how dangerous is that in a, in a world where we go and let our kids go and give, it, give them to the teachers who we feel should be empowered to teach our kids more than we are because they're having them for seven to eight hours a day. However, they don't feel comfortable to have a conversation. So all that's got to do is create more um, black and white. And the beauty is the grey area, the conversation of getting to know somebody and getting to understand their feelings and what they want to do. So um yeah it's it's a strange strange time and like i say i've got two daughters and i'm really keen that everything is is, is re-looked at and rehashed and like i say women in science just because of the time period wasn't allowed to be spoken about but that doesn't mean that women wasn't great in science wasn't great in geography in whichever field you want to talk at so why why do we need someone like troy a footballer to be mentioning it just to get this to a, a level of platform and notoriety that people take it seriously. It's interesting that you bring up teachers as well, because I, I suppose on the one hand, they're not getting the training to teach uh, this history. It, it, as you say, it's recommended that it be taught, but teachers are reluctant to take it on board. Do you think that's partly as well because of, I hate to say it, but, you know, the whole kind of, well, cancel culture where they're just petrified of saying the wrong thing? A million percent. And that's it. And that's why I was trying to allude to with the black and the white. I think right now you've got to be right or you've got to be wrong. But me and you could have a discussion about something. Let's say, um, let's keep it away from any topic. We have a discussion. We don't like it. We just, we don't, you don't like something, but I do like something. We can have a discussion as to why you don't like something and why I do and walk away from each other, still having our same opinion. But now we're in, we've got a little bit of empathy. So I actually understand what you think about. And that is what I think is missing at the moment in, in the world. We're all trying to just say, well, that was wrong and stop doing that and we're going to cancel you. But well, wh where are we learning from that? And we keep using the word education. And we I like to use the Kurt Zuma situation. If you remember the footballer who had the situation with the cat. Yeah. Everything was about he needs education. Well, what is the education? Who's delivering the education? Has he actually even taken the education? Do you know what I mean? Like We just use these words now, like education and, and diverse and okay well can we actually do some food with some substance and um show people our findings how how would you say that it impacted on you you know attending school and feeling like you know the only bit that you were relevant to was was being taught about about slavery and the the, the lack of expectation for you i mean i mentioned that you were excluded from school mm -hmm. i think at, at the age of, of of 15 i mean how much was 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 the not being included, the contributing factor, you know, and then ironically, what happens? You get excluded. Yeah. So, like, I think the, the key part is to, to get people to understand, I wasn't a bad kid. I was actually very intelligent at school. I found out very quickly that the answers were in the book. So I was just trying to find out, like, what the teacher said. I'd skip to that page, right, this is this, there's the question, put it together. And I'd do, and I'd do my work in, like, 15 minutes. What happened then was I was very bored, so I'd always like create trouble by like messing about, trying to make people laugh, just being a class clown. But what I heard a lot uh, growing up was I can't, I won't. And I felt like 
my dreams and my imagination was being dampened. And I think you said it in the read. Um, I was told by a teacher, you know, I'd, I'd be dead by 25. Now, in today's world, as we just spoke about, that teacher probably would never be able to work again. But when you hear you can't and you can't, you don't so many times, you start to believe that that's true. So um, yeah, it impacted me massively. And um, it's only through you know having a great mom around and my dad was in and around, but my mom was always there and was constant. And you'll see in this in this uh, documentary, she makes me feel ten feet tall. Um, I can't do any wrong. And I'm the best thing since sliced bread. But that's only through solid foundation. And not everybody has that. So school should be a safe place for kids, I feel. Um, and we should be a place where we're encouraging their imagination to grow. So instead of cards and don'ts, it's imagine if and what if. Because the world is endless right now. Where did you find your ambition? Did your mum have ambition for you? Where did you manage to dig it out of if, if, there was, if, if, if that expectation wasn't there from your teachers? Um, my expectation was from from my mum. She wanted us always all to do better than, than what she did. I think which is every parent's um, initial thought is that you want your kids to be better than you and move their legacy on. But I just, mine came from like understanding the struggle of where I'm from. So a lot of people having, you know, different uh, situations uh, and I've I seen people quit and I, I didn't like that. And my mum always used to make us, and still does to this day, if you start something, you finish it. Don't don't quit. Don't give up unless you've tried every viable option to make that work. And, and that's just what it is. I think we live in a dangerous place now where people are saying we've, we've all got the same 24 hours. And I don't I don't subscribe to that. But it's about working very hard, but smartly as well. And also information, because mm. if you, you can just keep working and going, you know, if you go working in a factory, you keep working and that's all you know. That's all you're going to keep doing. But if you know there's a different way out and you can get into properties and things of that nature, then that may be something that you can get into. But everyone's success now is defined off, off Instagram. And it's quite, um, quite dangerous again in my world. Nadim Zahawi, the education secretary, has said that um, um, said before that, that that students should be taught everything about the abhorrent practice of the slave trade, yet also teach um, them patriotism. That's quite difficult, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> you know, how, how do you go about doing that, particularly in light of there really not being any great apology, or indeed, as as a guest was talking to me about last week, reparations for slavery? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I'll be honest with you, and this is where I am. I, I think some of those conversations are a bit above my pay grade, if I'm being totally honest with you. I think what the way I work on is we're not going to get reparations because those things have happened and it could have been paid off a long time ago and it should have been going to a lot more people. I, I like to kind of draw a line in the sand of where we're at, where we're at now um, and try and impact generations that are coming next because the world is scary. We are in a situation now where you can get so much information just off uh, social media, and you don't even know if it's true or not. So we're exposing our kids to the rest of the world with um, a false narrative of not even understanding what is true and what's not. So I think let's just try and impact where we can, make schools a safer environment uh, where we can actually get our imagination to grow like I say I keep referring back to my daughters but the best story I ever tell is if anyone's got kids and they watch their kids play with Barbies or with little toys and they've got accents they've got this whole little imaginative world that's going on that is the purest form of imagination but us as parents and myself included because I did it 
you say, oh, come on, get off the iPad and go and do this. And, you know, you've got to do good at school. And we try and box our kids in instead of letting that imagination go. And that's something that I'm, I'm trying to change in my own household. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Troy, last year, I think it was, you, you, you revealed that you received 30 to 40 abusive messages online every week, you know, often mm-hmm. involving your, your partner, your children, race-related mm-hmm. for the most part. I, I, I think it's had such an effect on you that at one point you were considering early retirement as a result. Um, tell me about the impact that has on your life and, and how surprising that must feel or not. Um. It's more hurtful than surprising. Um, I don't think we, anyone now, if, if we could go back to the Euros and when those lads missed the penalties, I think we all knew it was coming. Uh, so no one was really shocked or surprised. I think what we are shocked and surprised about is the, is the lack of movement with social media anyway to make sure that, you know, we, we can stop these things because there's companies out there that are now doing that and offering that service. Um but for, for me, it's more the emotion. Um, it's not nice. Uh, it gets you very angry. It gets you very um, upset when I, I speak about my, my daughters. As you, as you can tell, I, I love them to death. But my, my youngest daughter, on her fifth birthday, under a post, somebody put, I hope this N-word dies. And that, like, that to me, that's where I considered calling it a day because... I don't know how I'm supposed to act there because I'm not a footballer at that point. I'm dad. I'm hurt. And if I do anything that I want to do or my natural urges to do, I now become the bad guy. So um, it becomes difficult. Um, but you just try and educate, as we say, that, that, that word again, educate people, highlight it as much as you can and, you know, just try not to live too much in that world. Do you think it's particularly 
bad in football, Troy. I mean, just last week, Brentford's mm. Rika Henry and Ivan Tony claimed members of their family were racially abused mm. uh, in the Premier League match against Everton. Do you think it, 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 it is in football in particular or whether it's just more obvious because those attack, you know, the footballers have a huge following, footballers like mm-hmm. yourselves, and, and, and therefore, you know, it, it's much more obvious when people are attacking you for racist reasons. Yeah, I think obviously the platform will always make it seem, uh, you know, bigger because that than, than people you just spoke about. Like I know both of those lads and I spoke to them uh, last week in regards to that. I think it's um, it's really difficult because you, you forget that you're a footballer. Like there's so many insults you can give somebody, especially football. Like for me, for example, I'm I'm not very fast. I'm got a big head. Or I'm not very good at football. All these different things you can say. But you have to put the race into it. Like, why does that become your 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 trigger point? So it, it makes you feel less than by just somebody because over football, it's like it's really strange, and um, it is getting a lot of coverage. But again, and I've said this on numerous occasions, what are the Premier League FA actually doing about it? We don't really see too many people getting any bans or any fines or any follow up on it. You just get. Oh, this player said this, and we kind of move on to the next week until it happens again. I don't know if it's a side effect of getting older, but you do get to the point where you just see history sort of feels like history just repeating itself over and over again. I wondered what you make of the recent spike in in violence on the football pitch. I mean, that feels Mm -hmm. to me like I'm reliving like the 70s and and the 80s. And yet I wonder whether in a way football is a sort of microcosm of the world, you know, and and, and the Mm -hmm. frustrations, the anger, the anxiety, you know, that people are feeling spill onto the pitch because, you know, that's where they people get to be emotional. I mean, I'm not making excuses for the violence, but but you know, at a time like this of extreme hardship, do do you find it surprising? I and mean, why do you think it's happening? I think I, I, I tend to agree with you. If I'm being totally honest, I think football is a reflection of society, especially in this country. It's, it's considered the working man's uh, game, if that's, that's how we can say it now. But I just feel like. You know, we've, we had lockdown, two years of real frustrations and, and footballers, even in that, were getting more stick because we was able to work. So while we was providing a level of entertainment for people, there was actually a frustration behind it. Not only did these people get paid a lot of money, but now they're getting to do their job and I'm sat at home. And I could totally understand that frustration. And I feel like once everyone was let out of lockdown, we all just did something we'd never done. But for a, a football fan, an avid football fan, that's two years worth of frustration. Like, let's, right, whoever we're playing, you're going to get verbally abused as much as I can. And then you go into this year and what's been going on with, you know, all the, the, the price of living going through the roof and, and we're all feeling that. Um, I think it's just now a bubbling over a frustration and you've seen the lies and things have happened with, with, with government at the moment that's coming out. I think people are just like, forget it. And I agree with you. We've kind of gone back to the 80s and early 90s. My worry is that if somebody does put their hands on a player, which has happened in, in the lower leagues, um, what happens when that player does something back? What happens if we have a Cantona-style moment? Will the player be the problem now or are we going to do something beforehand? Why not try, try and come with a solution and stop getting fans on the pitch? I think maybe the easiest way to do that would be financially. So implement the fines that are on there so if you run on a pitch the fine of x that's the only way that it's going to really hurt someone because in in times of this nature um every penny counts what sort of cost 
do you think comes uh, with campaigning? I mean, you were absolutely at the forefront of of the footballers taking the knee, Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter, you know, protests and so on. And funny, I was talking to my son the other day about Marcus Rashford, and I was going, "What's happening with Marcus Rashford?" Because he's a Man United fan, yeah. and he was like, "Oh, I don't know. You know, he's he's just, you know, I think his confidence was bust a bit." But you know, he said maybe he's busy because he's been doing all his campaigning as well. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, there must be a sense that you know, once you start taking on issues, that that you mm-hmm. are. I mean, I. I don't want to use the word distracted from football, but other things become more important. And and it feels a bit like footballers have always been expected to be like sort of beauty queens, you know, just to mm-hmm. get on with your game and, you know, keep your eyes on the on the pitch and yeah. the ball and, and, and don't make trouble. But yeah, but remember, football like football goes in cycles, like similar to what you just said. So in the in the nineties, footballers were just you could meet them in the pub, you'd go down the pub and have a have a pipe with with said footballer and, and that was cool because he was one of us. Then it got into the late 90s, early 2000s with your Beckhams and people of that nature and footballers are all stupid. They get paid loads of money and they're stupid. They don't know what they're doing. Now you've got a generation of uh, footballers who are not only into music, fashion, they're inspiring, whether that be um, through education or with Marcus and the things he's done. But the key the common denominator is when you're doing well, no one cares. You can do whatever you want, say, spend as much time away from football as you need. But when you are struggling or not playing well in people's eyes, that's when I think you see the real undertone of what everyone's really thinking. Like, I've been, I've had it today. Oh, I just wish he'd just shut up and concentrate on football. I'm technically on holiday now. <laughs> so what am I supposed to, even if I wanted to go back to work, no one's there. So I can't go play football on my own. It's not a very good game now. So um, it's just like where we're at, it's just everyone's inner frustrations are just coming out. And I'd actually just prefer people to have a be more straight up. I wish you wouldn't do this and concentrate on football more. No problem. But I actually think that my life is relatively good. My footballing day starts at nine and finishes at one. I pretty much have a lot of time to do all the other things. So and people don't understand this side of media as well. Like we can talk today and could put this out next week if we wanted to. Yeah. But someone would go, well, he must be there at this time doing that. And they don't understand how it all works. So, But, but isn't lot- it also people just say things because they can do it anonymously on social media. They say things they would never, ever in a million years yeah. uh, say to your face. You know, I, I wanted to ask you about J- Jake Daniels, um, who became the UK's first active male professional footballer to come out as gay in 30 years, which... It just seemed shocking to me that it had been so long since there'd been another gay footballer. And he's been overwhelmed, as I understand it, by all the messages of of love and support, though I'm sure there's been some some nastier Mm -hmm. ones in there as well. Do you think that that it is a sign that that football culture is becoming more inclusive and accepting, that that things actually are changing? Because so often, you know, you just get the sense that, you know, like I said, it it just goes round in circles and, Mm -hmm. and, and it's cyclical. But it does feel like... You know, there's so many campaigning uh, footballers like yourself that 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 it can't help but change now. Yeah, because the the first of all, it, it's great that he came out as well. By the way, I've been saying this for maybe four years, and I've been getting absolutely hammered for it online because I, I do think there's more gay players out there, and when they are comfortable to come out, they should do because I feel like we're in a time and space now where where everyone be, will be more accepting. It's um, it's it's not the 70s where it's a really 
taboo thing and nobody else did it. You, you see it everywhere, whether that be in adverts, whether that be, um, you know, at schools. And I, I, like I just had a conversation with my oldest son yesterday. He's in a year nine and he was just saying that, that he has um, a lesbian um, girl in his school, in his, in his class. And I was like, how do you feel about that? He's like, it's fine. We just talk, we get on. And I was like, that is where we need to keep it. It's only um, ignorant people that go, oh, no, no, they, you can't do that. And that's wrong. And this, that and the other. It's like, let them be who they want to be, that people are expressing themselves. And I think it's great that he's coming out. And I hope the footballing community will continue to um, show him that, you know, he's more than accepted and more than welcome. I do worry, similarly to what we were just saying, if he starts p- performing bad, will then everything turn on him? Because he's now going to be the... the South about the gay activist, if that makes sense, in a way. Um, and I don't want anyone to turn on him and, and feel like uh, he's the only the gay footballer. So we all have to get onto him. And then that could detract from others coming through afterwards because he'll be a trailblazer now for, for many young people. Thanks for listening to Mariella Meets with me, Mariella Frostrup. There'll be more from the podcast next week, so make sure to download the free Times Radio app to never miss an episode. And don't forget, you can catch the live edition of my program every Monday to Thursday, 1 till 4 on Times Radio. Catch you next time.